you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Tuesday, October 18th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of the NFL vet, the pro bowler, the Super Bowl champ, the real Mike Robb. Michael Robinson, welcome back to the pod, Virginia. What's going down? I am your host, fellow Virginian and NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And coming up on this episode, do you believe in ghosts? Maybe you should. It's not a Halloween thing. It's an NFL thing because Aaron Rodgers is seeing ghosts, at least according to Michael Robinson, who will explain. Do you believe that Tom Brady is losing more than just his composure? And do you believe that Dak Prescott is actually ready to return? He may be able to grip it, but can he rip it? That's the question coming up. But first, it will come as a surprise to exactly no one that the quarterback is the NFL position and the NFL asset that gets the most attention and gets the most protection. This season is proving that point almost every week. Brady retreats, looking, looking, here comes Brady, Jared! You shall not pass! Surely they didn't call slinging him down. This will be a horrendous call. Pass hit from behind! A flag comes out on the play. Now, some NFL fans and a good number of NFL defensive ends, I should think, are hoping for a re-evaluated and potentially a rewritten roughing the passer rule. However, word from the fall league meeting of NFL owners taking place in New York City makes it quite clear that there are no plans to change anything right now. Falcons president and CEO Rich McKay, head of the NFL's competition committee, said, quote, I am not here to talk about roughing the passer. There won't be any rule changes during the season. He went on to remind us that roughing the passer calls are actually down 40 to 45 percent. NFL executive vice president of football operations Troy Vincent said there was a, quote, healthy conversation about roughing the passer during the football operations session at the owners meeting today. He went on to say that, quote, we are not changing the philosophy around that call. Vincent went on to say we are not going to back off protecting the quarterback. Okay, what's past is prologue. Now, Mike Rob, I get it. You were a quarterback. You very likely get it too. But do you see a way in which we can honor the philosophy of this rule and still address a few concerns about the application of that rule? Um, no. 
just simply because anytime you're dealing with like uh to me a rule like a rough in the passer like a pass interference where it the nature of the call is subjective the nature of the call requires the referee or whoever's watching to interpret it based on their past experiences based on how they interpret the the letter of the rule um and then they have to process all of that in real time and have to apply their own judgment to it so i think i think anytime you're dealing with subjective just like you know subjective call just like what something that's beautiful to you may not be beautiful to me you're just going to have discrepancies this is football football is a contact sport football is a contact sport and yes i know there i know we're trying to get um from a society standpoint there's some um th there's narratives out there that some think that society is getting the uh, aggression to trying to get the aggression and the the, the the masculine out of society i think football follows the same suit as as um society we're trying to protect the players we're trying to be as physical in a safe way as possible but here's the deal quarterbacks are football players just like everybody else if unless we're gonna you know put them in a different jersey put them in flags put them in something so that the defender he gets paid to bring down the quarterback he gets paid to get to the quarterback he gets paid to do anything he can in his ability to affect the quarterback yet they don't really understand fully how to bring the quarterback down in the strike zones and all of those things. And to me, they're costing games. It just is. I don't think we're going to ever truly get this particular call right unless we put some type of sky judge, some type of some type of authority, whether it's coming from New York or something, where we're saying, hey, this is what this is going to it's going to always come down to this particular individual or this particular department or whatever, making the final call. You can hate it or love it or whatever the case may be. But maybe we go to that type of a type of a model. But as long as, as it's a, a subjective call, I think we're going to have some discrepancies. So step one might be, as has been discussed, making that call reviewable. Yes, I think that would go a long way. And it's crazy. Bill Belichick years ago, it had to have been like five or six years ago now, um, he, <laughs> to his credit, he said, I'm telling you guys, make everything reviewable. Just make it all reviewable and it'll solve all the problems that we're about to have. Fast forward seven, eight years, he probably was right. You know, you mentioned something uh, as sort of a cultural declaration, and I think I don't think you're far off. I, there's there's one theory that says uh, that most decisions that human beings make are made from a point of fear, uh, which sounds rather dire and bleak and negative. And yet I kind of understand what people are talking about. I think as viewers, we watch a game that we never played. We watch a game that is played at a pace that we do not understand and with a level of ferocity that quite simply makes us fearful. It frightens us. We see these young men getting hit, hitting others, and we worry. I think there's a visceral response that we have because we can't imagine taking a hit like that. And so we think we must somehow sanitize what we are seeing to suit our own perspective and our own experience. And yet we do not understand the perspective and experience of the player. And I'm so glad you shared that. I'm actually surprised to hear you say that because of course you were a quarterback, you were an offensive player. It was your job to protect the quarterback a lot. Uh, and yet you say, you should open this up a little bit more to the to the true nature of the contact of this game. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, unless we're not gonna call a quarterback a football player, are we gonna, you know, separate 
that particular position and hold that particular position above the other positions. I think that particular way of thinking has gotten Western society in a little bit of a little bit of a pickle the way that we have right now, where we're taking, you know, whether it's in a company or whatever the case may be, somebody who is special all of a sudden get treated different ways. The rules are a little bit differently. I think it, it, it isolates that that individual. I think sometimes, you know, it, it, it causes the rest of the team to look at the quarterback as an extension of the front office. And, you know, you may start to get, you know, guys turning on that, on that particular position. That's why I always say when I talk about quarterbacks, part of their, part of the job description is public relations. Part of the job description is making sure you're available and you can get along with everybody in the locker room. Some guys are a lot better at doing that than others. A man who was never one to separate himself or isolate himself in any way whatsoever is Aaron Rodgers. Next topic, next question. Is Aaron Rodgers to blame for what we are seeing or not seeing on offense in green and gold? Yeah, another example. We talked earlier about this. Rodgers kind of underthrows it a little bit. Mike Rob, what do you think? I'm going to say no, Aaron Rodgers is not the he's not the, the, the biggest problem. He's part of the problem. But their offensive line is broken completely broken you cannot win in this league or in on any level obviously little league is a little bit differently you can just have a genetically dominant kid that's just faster than everybody and so they win but I mean generally speaking on any level if your offensive line is broken you don't win if your secondary is broken you don't win your offensive line is like the engine of a car your secondary is like the battery of that car both of those things if if either one is messed up the car does not move and the whole goal of the car is to move and I look at Green Bay and you know, from a secondary standpoint, they give up some chunk plays. And obviously, from an offensive line standpoint, they uh, they, they are doing the best job of protecting Aaron Rodgers. And what's happening is it's forcing Aaron Rodgers to see things that maybe aren't there. That's where the ghost comment um, earlier in the, you know, in the podcast came from. I think he's he's reacting and responding to guys that aren't there because uh, he knows he has some inequities across the offensive line. He made a statement after this past week's game. He talked about getting, um, you know, maybe taking some things out of the game plan and becoming more simpler. To see Quentin Williams basically pick his guard up, move him to the side like he was 14 years old and just quarterback, that's not that's not a simple thing. That's not a scheme thing. That's not a <laughs> – that's, that, that, that's a – do I have the intestinal fortitude to just own up and block this dude? Yeah. And I think um, Aaron Rodgers may, may may be better at just challenging the guys up front. I, I think the scheme is there. I like Matt LaFleur's scheme. I think the fact that they, you know, that, that Aaron Rodgers operates within a scheme makes him even more dangerous because then he can be Aaron Rodgers in special situations, I think. What went on with Mike McCarthy earlier was the fact that it, the, the the scheme was a little too bland. It relied too much on Aaron Rodgers being special Aaron Rodgers. But quite, quite plain and simple, five guys across the front, they need to be able to win their one-on-one blocks. Right now, the Green Bay Packers offensive line up front cannot win if five rushers rush them. I didn't get the chance to talk to you about this yesterday, Michael, but I really want your thoughts on this. In the post-game press conference after that loss to the Jets, Rodgers was asked if he thought this team was wobbly. Interesting word choice, but there you go. His response, wobbly? Only if people are breaking rank. It'll be interesting to look at the comments from all of our guys and coaches, and hopefully we stick together. That's the important thing. Until I see us breaking rank, I'm not going to say there's any wobbliness 
going on. Now, let me let that sink in. Um, at best, to me, that sounds like someone who is more interested in control than conflict resolution. At worst, it sounds, uh, dare I say, paranoid. And that's probably overstated. Rogers believes that the Packers' best interest is to simplify, as you referenced. But what do you make of those comments, as if loyalty is the issue now, not execution? Maybe uh, that's the first time me hearing those comments. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to tell you exactly where my brain went, just hearing them. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers wants control. He wants to control the narrative. I think he is watching himself on film and he is seeing himself get old right in front of his face. And I think what he's trying to do is control the narrative on him. And I don't think he wants any of his teammates to quote unquote break rank and have his name come out of their mouth. And that's why he said it's interesting to hear and see the comments that guys are going to say, because as I mentioned before, we can talk about, the wide receivers being young and we know Aaron Rodgers has the ability to make wide receivers, but if the wide receivers were that bad, there should be six or seven passes a game. That's just hitting them in the hands or in the back of the helmet. And they're just dropping them. That's not happening. What I am seeing is misreads. What I am seeing is a guy avoiding things that sometimes aren't there. What I am seeing is an offensive line that are getting their ass whipped. Um, and I'm seeing a team that if they don't see some success offensively in a big way, they run the risk of guys quitting on him. And so I think he knows that. And so I think that's why he made those comments as a, a, in regards to breaking rank. He's trying to see if guys are going to quit. On him. Well, the question now is, can they break out of this funk? Uh, Rogers was 26 for 41, 246 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Uh, but timing, as you referenced, was off as it has been for six weeks. The scheduling gods, you could argue, have been kind to the Packers this year. After that bad loss to the Vikings in week one, they got a get-back game against the Bears in week two. After back-to-back -back losses to the New York teams in weeks five and six, they get my Washington Commanders in week seven, a game they will be fully expecting to win, expected to win. We will see what happens and talk about it after. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Next topic, Dak is back. Actually, let's restate that. Dak is back? Question mark. Jerry Jones, when asked if Dak will play this week, said, quote, he's determined to. From my perspective, I think he's going to get there. He's going to be given every opportunity this week to go play. He looks ready to go. Now, Michael Robinson, I want to reference something I heard from Michael Irvin earlier, who said there's a big difference between the ability to grip it and the ability to rip it. You as a quarterback know the difference. Do you believe that he has the ability to rip it this early after that injury and after that procedure? 
I do believe so. But honestly, I do think the Cowboys have to look at Dak's history and understand how he's been hurt in the past and when he's come back and the kind of peripheral injuries that has come back based off of maybe him coming back too early. I will say this, Dak would have to be 110% for me to put him out there on that field. And, and the reason why I say 110 and not 100 is because of how good your backup quarterback looked. And yes, Cooper Rush didn't play well against the Philadelphia Eagles. I, don't, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are just better team than the Dallas Cowboys are right now. But I do think Cooper Rush has proven to be one of the better backups in the National Football League. So if you got a guy that's one of the better backups, you see how your offensive coordinator is calling games with your backup. It's a cleaner game. It's a simpler game. It's revolved around the run game and it's growing off of play action and things like that. Dak would have to be 110% for me to put him in the game. Now, if Dak is 110%, then I go to Kellen Moore, my offensive play caller, and I say, look, bro, I need you to call this game as if Cooper Rush is playing. And I know Kellen Moore might say, but, 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 and I was, if I was Mike McCartney, I'd say, shut your mouth. Don't say nothing. Okay. Right. I need you to call this game like Cooper Rush is playing because, again, the focus is on the offensive line and the line of scrimmage. The focus is on running the football and being explosive in the play-action game and just telling Dak, look, I'm not going to make you have these half-field, whole-field reads, you know, and then when you see, you know, the safeties and you go one-half, that one-half-field reads. I'm not going to do any of that. Yeah, I'm going to do play action. I'm going to do three step. You're going to have one to two reads. Ball better be out. If the ball ain't out, that's on you, Dak. That's what I'm challenging you to do, to just get the ball out, take no hits. And if I believe the Dallas Cowboys can do that, I believe this offense looks better. I believe that they play better from a team standpoint if that happens. But again, Dak Prescott has to be 110%, not just 100 well, that reminds me of a story you told us about Joe Pa telling you he'd rather put you in two weeks too late than two days too early. I think that probably applies here to Dak. And I think if we're to interpret your message to Kellen Moore from Mike McCarthy, it is this. Because my next question was, if Dak does return this week against the Lions, should the offensive scheme stay the same? And your answer is absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, look at how your team has played. Your defense has now gotten used to this type of a game. It's crazy. Like, I remember um, when we first got Russell in Seattle back in 2012, our defense was was playing a certain way. Russ ended up starting the season. And we they had gotten accustomed to running the ball with beast mode, having some big plays over the top because we had Tavares Jackson and, and Matt Hassel back before that. They had just gotten used to playing a certain way. And I remember when we started opening up the offense a little bit with Russell kind of after the Chicago game that year in 2012. I remember the defenders coming us saying, whoa, 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 we're used to keeping people under 15 points and, and things like that. If y'all scoring too fast, if y'all doing this, you're messing up our stats. You know what I'm saying? Like they got used to, to playing a certain way. And I just think that um, I think that the Dallas Cowboys, they need to watch out for that because again, this defense is used to used to games going a certain way. Next topic, Patrick Mahomes, who has inexplicably, I can't believe this isn't a misprint. And yet here it is for me to read the worst passer rating of all qualifying NFL quarterbacks in the fourth quarter so far this season. Mahomes. 
Patrick Mahomes. Now, listen, we can all agree he's a transcendent talent. He is at times a magician, at other times a machine. Uh, but clearly, even the best quarterbacks are vulnerable to the resources that are leveraged against them from the best defensive coaches and minds in the game and the best defensive players in the game against your Bills in week six. With no pressure, he was 21 for 29, 294 yards, a touchdown, no picks, passer rating of 116. With pressure, he was four for 11, 44 yards, one touchdown, two picks, a passer rating under 40. Now, I'm not suggesting that the secret to beating Patrick Mahomes is to pressure him on every snap. A, it can't be done. B, it shouldn't be done. But clearly, these numbers are real. Pressure on any quarterback affects the quarterback. I mean, just just think about the nature of what they're trying to do. And so if you just let them stand there and let them feel like they're playing seven on seven, we probably got 30 or 32 quarterbacks that are going to beat you in this game. So pressure is going to affect all of them. My, my only thing is the type of pressure. There's only a few teams, maybe Buffalo, or definitely Buffalo, maybe the San Francisco 49ers, some of these other teams that have just loads of pass rushers are uniquely built so that they only have to rush four and still pressure Patrick Mahomes. If you blitz Patrick Mahomes to create your pressure, then you play it with fire because now you're leaving these defensive backs one-on-one and he has enough moving ability and pocket awareness that he can make some guys miss and, and, and just make some things happen um, if you blitz him. And so to me, it's all about pressuring him with four down or three down if, you, you know, if you're that talented and dropping as many into coverage as you possibly can. And I'm talking about even when you're defending Josh Allen too because I believe these are the top two quarterbacks in the league. I don't care what you say. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care who you talk about. I don't These are the two best guys in the league. They're going to be the two best guys for the next 10 to 15 years. Okay? Let's just be ready for this. And they, and neither one of these teams going to let them go. So they will, Josh Allen going to be with Buffalo for forever. Kansas City going to be with – I mean, uh, Josh, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes going to be with Kansas City for forever. You see what I'm saying? So, again, there's only a few teams that are uniquely built to rush for and drop the guys that they have to, to be able to drop. The issue is this this year with Patrick Mahomes. And I know a lot of us analysts, uh, you know, that have been talking in the, in the NFL world have been, you know, kind of waiting to be validated. When you don't have Tyreek Hill and you pressure Patrick Mahomes now and he plays this when we call hero ball, where, you know, we say hero, like trying to be a hero, trying to be Superman, trying to save the day, where you're running around and you're doing all these weird, awkward angles. And it's all cute and fine when it's working. But oftentimes at the end of games, when the pressure's on and it doesn't work, you know what I mean? Those plays are the reason you lose. And when you have a guy like Tyreek Hill who you, you can throw him a slant and he can run around the whole damn defense. We saw him in that divisional round game last year catch a slant and outrun every angle of uh, probably seven Buffalo Bill defenders. And these are grown men. Yes. These guys get paid to do this for the yes. – yeah, So they don't have that guy. And so um, pressure is going to always be the key when you're dealing with these guys. But Patrick Mahomes definitely has the tools, the tools in his tool belt to beat the pressure. Well, you always set us straight, and I'm really grateful for it because – as Michael Robinson has just made clear, and it's very important to take this to mind, it is not the existence of pressure that matters. It is the type of pressure that matters. To use the word blitz as a catchphrase and a go-to and a default is erroneous. It is not about blitzing. It is about having the dogs to pressure with three 
or four and choosing your blitzes carefully. The next topic is panic. The next question, is it time to? Let's start with the former MVP, the man who was betting on himself this season, the marvelous, the mercurial Lamar Action Jackson, who, like Patrick Mahomes, has put up some fourth quarter performances this year, Michael, that are, well, they're not great. Jackson in a shotgun set, call signals, takes the snap, he's back to throw. Under pressure, hit by Thibodeau, ball comes loose. Lamar Jackson, is it time to panic? No, it's not time to panic, but I will say my um, level of concern is rising. And again, call it, this, maybe it's the scandalous in me, maybe it's the whatever in me, but in these game-breaking situations, in these game-deciding moments in the fourth quarter, to see Lamar Jackson, what he did last week, you know, uh, messed up snap. They were up by three, 20 to 17. Messed up snap. It was third down. And he fades with the ball and he just throws it in the middle of the field and it was inter- intercepted by the Giants. And that's literally, that, that's what lost the game. If he would have just threw the ball away, if he would have taken a sack and punt it, I believe the Baltimore Ravens hold on to get the win. The scandalous in me thinks, man, does this kid continue to try this if he's paid? If he doesn't think he has to make every play to continue to create leverage so he can get the biggest contract ever, I, again, maybe it's nothing to that. Maybe it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I tend to I tend to think so because we're seeing it this year, and I'm not so, and I'm not accustomed to seeing a coach hardball team lose leads late, especially when they're up by multiple scores, and also. Office coordinator Greg Roman, he has to get his second half adjustments together. Well, he does. And I think, again, you've put us straight because the question is a time to panic really shouldn't be directed at Lamar Jackson. The question should be directed to the Ravens team, to a Ravens team that has given up three double digit leads in their three losses. I mean, they've only been behind by an aggregate 15 minutes this entire season, and yet they have three losses uh, on the record. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Next person who gets the question, Tom Brady. Brady hitting the balls in the air. The Steelers dive for it. It's going to be a fumble. Is it time to panic? He's angry. We saw that. He was just going off on his offensive line. Brady said, it isn't the what, it's the why. He said, quote, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and figure out why. Mike Rob, what do you see in the Bucks mirror? Lack of speed. They need some speed on the outside. Um, or 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 just other dominant guys on the outside. Obviously, Mike Evans is the guy. Obviously, you have Chris Godwin. Um, but both of those guys are more possession guys, more, you know, Chris Godwin's more of a slot guy. You're not going to get the space in the offense. When this offense won the Super Bowl, they did have a guy that I know people don't like to say his name, but they did have Antonio Brown on this roster, and he was that third speed guy. They do have Julio Jones on this roster. I remember when they first got Julio Jones and a lot of people were saying that, oh, wow, this is the match made in heaven. And it's like, well, Tom's a guy that loves to practice. Tom's a guy that loves to have chemistry with his guy. And 
Julio Brown is a Julio. Yeah, Julio Jones is a guy that doesn't practice. He's a gamer, but he ain't a guy that's going to give you a lot of practice, especially in this juncture in his career. And Rob Gronkowski ain't walking through that door. So they need another weapon. They need a third weapon in the passing game. You, you saw um, uh, Leonard Fournette start to be involved a little bit more in the passing game. But Tom, yeah, he was yelling at his offensive lineman, and I think a lot of that needs to be directed at himself. When Tom Brady looks in the mirror, other than seeing the Night King, because I think he looks like the Night King sometimes. I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones. I do. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he looks like the Night King at times. But when he looks when he looks in the mirror, maybe he needs to direct some of that energy and some of that focus toward himself. He's going to win during the, during the season. He's missing, you know, certain days of practice, things like that. And I'm not saying he's not warranted some time off. All I'm saying is you can't yell at guys and be mad at guys when you weren't there through the entire preparation processes as well. I know he got some things going on in his personal life. Maybe that contributed to some of the frustration. I don't know. I'm not here to sit there and talk about that. But when you look at last week's game and you look at the tape, the offensive line didn't play at a level where it warranted that public display of angriness from the GOAT, the greatest winner, quarter winning quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. And I think he needs to check himself before he before he thinks about doing something like that again. Yeah, and I think if we look larger uh, from the, the macro view, um, we are seeing teams with quarterbacks who did not, who do not traditionally uh, partake in preseason games. Obviously, we're down to three preseason games. Um, but if you look at the Packers and the Bucks, which we've now talked about in succession, um, we're looking at a couple of teams whose quarterbacks do not play in the preseason, and maybe we're seeing the result of that. I'm not sure it's a reason to rethink uh, preseason uh, participation, but if you look at teams like the Chiefs and the Bills, they look the part, uh, and those quarterbacks played in the preseason. Something to consider. The last person who gets the panic question is you, Kyler Murray. Murray steps up. He's going to throw deep down the sideline, and Woolen reaches up, and he makes another interception. Are you kidding me? Confounding, hugely talented but yet confounding Kyler Murray. The Arizona Cardinals have yet to score 30 points this season. They've cracked 400 total yards only once. Three times on fourth down attempts in field goal range in week six, they failed. In a loss to the Seahawks, they put up only nine points in a game that 20 would have been enough to win. Is it time to panic if you're Kyler Murray? I'm gonna say yes. It's time to panic if you're Kyler Murray. It's time to panic if you're a Cardinals fan. It's time to panic. You should have panicked when the story came out that um, they had to put a clause in this kid's contract to make sure that he was preparing for a game. When that story came out to me, that put a dark cloud over the season and put a dark cloud over this team. Because again, that's the franchise guy. That's the guy that you're trying to lead your franchise. And you're saying, I have to put something in a contract to force this guy to prepare I'm like another guy on that team. Well, what's forcing me to prepare? I don't get paid that damn much. What's forcing me to to give my all and do all this if this guy is? And if this guy is just going to let a video game hold up a bus to go to a flight and things like that. Look, to me, that is what ruined this season. And we're accustomed to seeing Arizona Cardinals start fast and finish slow. Um, from a from a play design, from an effort standpoint, from anything, I just don't see the Arizona Cardinals making any strides now. It's unfair to completely judge this team without a force like DeAndre Hopkins playing. I know he's coming back here, uh, here pretty soon, and I think the final judgment will be out when he comes back. But at the end of the day, no, I think this team was damned from the beginning. DeAndre Hopkins expected to take the field this week. Join us tomorrow when we discuss Kyler's next game, Kyler's next 
chance to shut up his growing number of critics. That's the Thursday night game, Saints and Cardinals. We will have picks and predictions. And I think we will make those picks and predictions, assuming that D-Hop will be in the lineup. I want to thank today's special guest, Michael Robinson, the real Mike Rob. He always brings it. And when I say it, I mean the truth. And we thank you for it, Michael. Till tomorrow. Ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.